0: and welcome to a very special episode of the Waterlog podcast combined with the Capital Beach podcast. My name is Dan Genolfi.
1: I'm Howard Marlowe.
0: And joining us today... Hi, uh, it's Derek
2: Brockbank, a regular host of the Capital Beach.
0: We are super excited to do this joint podcast today. We have a lot of things to talk about, including the presidential election, congressional elections, as well as a number of near-term issues that we always get into. Uh, we'll be talking about things like beach nourishment, um, Word uh, supplementals, all the all the types of coastal things that we've that we'll talk about in typically within a year. So we're gonna try and cover as much of that as we can and, and forecast uh, going into uh, 2021. So I think we wanna first get started with the most recent event that we had, which is the presidential elections, which has taken up an enormous amount of everyone's time. Um what are our first thoughts? What um Let's let's start with you, Derek. How how will this impact federal coastal priorities in your mind?
2: Well, assuming that the election uh, results stand as we uh, as we see them, and, and there aren't any legal or um, illicit ways to overturn them, I think there's a lot of good that we can expect from the presidential uh, result. I do think the Biden administration, um, primarily around climate change and climate adaptation will be taking a much more science-based view. And I think looking ahead, uh, there will be a lot of opportunity to address head-on some of the challenges that we're going to be facing in the future. And I'm I'm really looking forward to hearing your take and and discussing what some of those might be. I don't know, Dan, Howard, what do you guys think about the presidential election?
1: Well, it certainly, I think, will be good on the climate change end um, because we do have folks coming in in the Biden administration who will be science-based and be looking at the realities of what coastal communities are facing right now, the flooding, the erosion, the problems that are going on. I, I think also, though, the word that came into my mind was infrastructure. Now, Trump ran on infrastructure, and he talked about it a lot. So this is not something that is Democrat and versus Republican. But on the other hand, nothing got accomplished of any real significance on infrastructure. Now, often, I think, Therefore, those of us in the coastal community really have a responsibility to say, this is what we need to have on the coast. And it goes beyond beach nourishment. We need to have some attention paid from a policy point of view and from a leadership point of view coming from the White House and the Cabinet. We need to have attention paid to the resilience adaptation and all the things that need to be done because they can't be done in one year, one administration. Even eight years, they're going to have to be started, and the federal government has a role to play. And we're not here to decide exactly what that role is, but certainly it's got the money and it's got the leadership capability. And I hope that that happens.
2: I agree, Howard. I think there's a good opportunity to start this. I think the idea that infrastructure is going to be a we'll get infrastructure done and then it's done is a misnomer. I think uh, I think we need to get a structure plan and a coastal a national coastal plan or national coastal policy. Begun, and that's going to be an ongoing uh, an ongoing effort. I think we 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 could potentially see that in the next four to eight years. So I agree.
1: What's happening right now, Derek, uh, in these remaining days of this Trump administration? What is going on that uh, is creating some noise?
2: Well, you know, it's interesting. Even in the in the couple days since the election, we've seen some uh, significant. Uh, staffing and, and and bureaucratic changes that are, frankly, I think a little alarming and concerning for those of us that uh, emphasize science-based uh, policymaking. Um, shortly before the election, we actually saw the Trump administration fire uh, the senior scientist, the chief of science at NOAA, for um, asking the political appointees to adhere to the um, scientific integrity policy of NOAA. And he was He was summarily let go and actually replaced by someone who's considered often a climate skeptic. Uh, So that was uh, Craig McLean got let go and and Ryan Ma uh, was hired. And then actually even since the election, we've seen two other staffing changes. One was the um, chairman of the FERC, the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission, Neil Chatterjee, was uh, let go for talking about the need to uh, plan for carbon pricing. And he was replaced by a commissioner that Firmly, as opposed to any sort of uh, carbon pricing effort, and then actually, uh, just just this week, we saw that um, on Friday, even after the election, the uh, the administration uh, fired the head of the U.S. Global Climate Change Research Program, Michael Kupperberg and this is the the uh, agency that's responsible for putting out the U.S. Global Climate Change Assessment, and he was actually he's actually been replaced by uh, a sort of known climate denier, David Legati. So. You know, even in the past three weeks, in the midst of the election, we're seeing some uh, some changes to push back against uh, climate science, and so you know we could see some uh, we could see some challenges. I think in the next couple couple months before the administration changes to undermine um, some of the federal science efforts. So, um,
1: and of course, we've also out. had the uh, secretary of defense uh, fired, and I understand that the. Corps of Engineers is a few steps down from that. I don't expect that we're going to be seeing anybody fired down at the Corps level. But on the other hand, it uh, creates some degree of instability in the uh, mother agency, so to speak, for the Corps, because the Corps is part of the Department of Army, which is obviously part of the Department of Defense.
2: Well, Howard, you bring up the Corps. You've been working with Corps for well, I don't want to date you, but a long time. Please do. Uh, <laughs> 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 Other people do. Dan does <laughs> it all day, every day. You know? uh, what do you, how do you see, do you see the core being impacted much by a change in administration? I usually think of the core as more insulated from uh, political uh, appointees or even just a change in administration than many agencies.
1: Well, I think it got very much involved in this past administration uh, from a leadership point of view in building the wall. I don't mean it necessarily that all the members were, but there's a lot of talk uh, from the then chief uh, of engineers about building the wall and carrying out uh, the administration, the president's desire to do that. And so I think that would change significantly. I think we've had a very good uh, assistant secretary of the army who is our political appointee under this administration. Um, Frankly, if he wanted to stay, I would uh, happily vote for him. And if I were president, I would happily nominate him. I don't think he wants to stay. So we have to see who the next Assistant Secretary of the Army for Civil Works will be. And I think that would impact somewhat the direction of the Corps in terms of what message. Um, certainly as a senator and as a vice president, uh, Mr. Biden has been concerned about the coast and involved with the coast. It's, not, you know, it's Delaware, it's a coastal state, but he was very active as a senator. As a vice president, uh, we look to him uh, as the go-to person in the White House that we could go to to reach out to uh, President Obama and also reach out to the folks at uh, Office of Management and Budget, the career folks who tend to cause uh, havoc to the uh, to the uh, core. And those folks are still going to be there. Right. So let's, uh,
0: let's not forget about uh, Vice President-elect uh, Harris who Harris? comes from one of the largest coastal states. Um, she's been very helpful in California uh, for some of our previous clients and she's been very supportive along with Senator uh, uh uh, excuse me, uh, uh, Feinstein. Um, very,
1: yeah, very she has been. and, so, and uh, We hope that that continues. She has been involved and helpful with uh, coastal issues in, uh, and um, in climate change issues. So, good point.
0: I think, yes, I, to, Derek, to answer your point, I think the, the core is fairly insulated. Um, what about other federal agencies, NOAA, EPA? Um, do you have any forecast for what do you think is going to happen there?
2: Well, it's going to be a challenge, and I think this brings us back to uh, the Georgia election, as I think most politics do these days. Um, You know, I think how uh, what happens in the Georgia and who controls the Senate is going to have a a, a very oversized um, uh, role in in that, uh, in part because it's been decades since we've seen uh, a new administration where the Senate and the administration don't line up, and it'll be just interesting to see whether um, a, a majority leader, McConnell, would uh, would even hold votes on Joe Biden's top candidates for some of the secretary positions. Um, so, you know, if he's not holding, a, if, if, if the con- if the Senate isn't considering a, you know, secretary of commerce, which oversees NOAA or a, a, or a head of the EPA, then it's going to, you know, significantly impact the ability of those agencies to function effectively. Um, and also, you know, even if they do hold a vote, the kind of person who would get approved in a um, Republican majority might be different than who you might see in uh, a Democratic majority. I don't know the thoughts on, on that or, or how that might be. I have impacted. sort of a
0: broad thought. Do we think that Trump's sort of reign on firing people and his, his uh, you know, he's been hesitant to bring anybody into office. Do we think that's going to continue even into the Biden administration? Because I was reading an article this morning that he's essentially going to hang on through uh, some sort of uh, donation can campaign. Uh,
1: He's got a political action committee, uh, yes, I think is what you're referring to. Yeah, yeah
0: he was going to, you know, head up a political action committee and, and a, you know, remain as close to the Republican Party as possible.
2: And I'm, yeah, I'm just, I don't know. It's interesting, right? What, Where does the Republican Party go? Biden's acceptance speech was talking about, you know, let's uh, unite. Um, but, you know, the, the party doesn't, the Republican Party doesn't seem to be there yet. Does it move to a more, you know, let's work together for the American people or or let's, you know, fight for our vision? Um you know, our vision being a more partisan vision. Um, right. And, and how, does, how do the Democrats respond, right? Do they, do they continue to make overtures for uniting? Or if, if, if the Republicans choose not to, uh, not to unite, then do the, the Democrats go back to their sort of hardline stance? One thing about appointees, and you mentioned Trump's filling positions, is I think uh, more than any administration ever, Trump has filled senior-level positions with acting appointees. And um, my not-so-bold prediction is I think that's probably going to uh, continue, Um, I think we're in a place where it's so hard to get anything done in the Senate, even confirming, you know, mid-senior level bureaucrats that I think we're probably almost inevitably going to see a lot of acting appointees, uh, maybe not, you know, cabinet level, but certainly the undersecretaries, I think could be a lot, you could see a lot of acting for a long time, which is, you know, unfortunate. I think government doesn't function as well if you have uh, people who are acting in positions, but I think that's just going to be inevitable.
0: Well, I think even looking beyond what we're talking about here today and just looking at things like uh, you know The stock market that you know, a lot of people are focused on is just this level of predictability that we have with, with the administration, and hopefully we'll have some sort of improved level of uh, predictability in terms of policies with, with Biden. Yeah.
1: I have a question to ask, uh, or at least a subject to raise here, stimulus. Mm. Back in June, uh, ASBPA put out a letter and certainly others have been calling in for a, a more stimulus. Federal Reserve has been calling for more stimulus. They've done just about everything that they can from a monetary policy, and they said Congress needs to step up. Uh, what are the chances uh, that you see, Derek, coming up, given the divided government that we're going to have?
2: Man, my crystal ball is cloudy today, yeah. uh, Howard. I mean, I think it's not just its – we're actually looking at three budget bills that we're going to be considered in the next um, – In the next couple months, we've got the just FY20 budget, which is a continuing resolution till uh, December 11th or through December 11th. So if if Congress doesn't pass the budget by then, um, we'll hit a government shutdown. And Mm -hmm. that would certainly feel on brand for 2020 to have a government shutdown before Christmas. Um, But uh, so you've got that that needs to happen. And and you and I were just we were just talking about looking at the the Senate bills that make up the FY21 uh, uh, budget before the call. Um, we've got this COVID stimulus that you're right, we've been calling for. We think there needs to be funding to help local communities that have just the, the local budgets have been suffered. And then one thing you guys talk about on your show regularly is this has been a record setting hurricane season. Hurricane Theta was just named to set the 29th named 29. storm. Um, and, you know, you're still getting uh, hurricanes hitting the coast. And and maybe there, are, there were none of the devastation of the sort of Harvey Irma Maria type, but coastal louisiana got hit pretty hard the ever um the the keys and the everglades got hit just you know just this over this weekend so and, and on top of that you got the tremendous wildfires out west so really i think you've got uh fy 21 budget you've got a hurricane and wildfire supplemental possible and then you've also got a COVID supplemental so do those bills pass i, I don't know i I think, I think you'll get a federal budget and maybe you'll get a stimulus as part of that, but I'm not sure. What do you think?
1: I think it's going to happen and I'm going to be optimistic for a moment in the rare moment because I, I am concerned about the results of the election from a divided kind of point of view in terms of the country. But I, I think on the appropriations end, it's very hard for members of Congress of both parties to ignore the fact that not only are individuals hurting who are unemployed, Businesses are hurting from small businesses to large, and the economy is going to be in serious trouble as we are escalating in the number of COVID cases that we have in some areas of the country where hospitals are already being taxed severely. So there has to be a stimulus, and if there's going to be a stimulus in one area, I think Congress is going to have to take care of the the floods, the fires, and the uh, COVID issues as well so I think they just can't avoid it and they can you know they can complain all they want to about high cost but when it's necessary the federal government can print money and the federal government has shown its ability to do that all the congress has to do is be able to just vote that it's going to spend this money and I think they will. I
2: hope you're right and I, I do tend to think you're right I think something will happen I'm not sure whether it'll be December or get punted into yeah. January time frame but I think you're, I think you're probably right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of Congress, let's. Any thoughts on sort of, you know, there wasn't a huge turnover in in congressional in congressional races this year, but any any thoughts on what uh what the new hundred and seventeenth Congress might might be thinking about for, uh, for coastal issues and or any you know any specific coastal races you'd like to flag or coastal elections you'd like to flag?
1: I think uh, just the um, turnover that was already planned, let's say in the House Appropriations Committee where the chair retired, uh, Anita Lowy of New York. Uh, It's up to the parties, in this case, the Democratic Party, which will control the House uh, to decide uh, how they go about uh, selecting not only the chair, uh, but also the members of the committee. I think that's important. I think we ought to pay attention. Um, We've had good support from Appropriations Committee for the Coast, um, and there are some good possibilities coming on. I think that's the one that at least uh, comes out to me. Any others that you can think of, Derek?
0: I mean, I can think of I, I can think of in the case of 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 Georgia. I mean that, that is of interest to us. Yes. The outcome in, in Georgia, as well as going back to uh Kamala Harris and California. We're gonna have a new senator there. So that's, that, that's gonna be significant. That's you know. Um I, I, I just I'm not gonna name any names, but other other states where, you know, we do have issues going on, I think members of Congress have remained in those cases. Um, and, and they've been effective in the past. So I, th- I think we're happy with that. Are there any specific areas that you're
2: that you're looking at, Derek? Um, well, Dan, just to touch on your point, I think that's a, a good rem- reminder is uh, with a change of administration, you'll get new people in stepping into the cabinet positions, and that's going to mean new appointees. So certainly we'll get a new senator from California. Every indication is that uh, Chris Coons, who's been a good champ for us on, on the Senate appropriation side, is probably going to get an administration role. So that means someone new from Delaware. Um, and, you know, you could see other, other senators stepping into roles, um, so you could see some changes in turnover over there. Um, no, you know, I think, I, I think that both the House and the Senate are going to largely sort of stay the same in terms of the, the kind of leadership that we're looking at. I mean, on, you know, one of the key committees we look at is Environment and Public Works, and so um, there's every indication that Harper is going to stay as the ranking member. We work with him more, mainly because he's a coastal member uh, from Delaware, Uh, the the majority leader on EPW um, is going to move from Barraza, who's from Wyoming. It doesn't really, you know, doesn't really have an interest in the coast, but it's going to move to another inland member. So I don't think we're going to see a significant, you know, change there. Um, I I don't expect to see many changes in the commerce committee, right? uh, In either the house or the Senate. So I I don't think there's going to be other than the probes where you mentioned, I don't, I don't think there's going to be a lot there.
0: What about, what about turnover in, uh, in professional committee staff? Uh, you know, we've had very effective, uh, you know, members so far. I shouldn't say me- I shouldn't say members. I should say you know the uh, staffers, the yeah. staffers. You know, they've been very, very helpful. Um, yeah. Do we anticipate any changes there?
2: I mean, probably. I think you always see that. You know, D.C. is such a high turnover town. You move from uh, from the the Hill up to the administration, or onto K Street, and you know that happens, so I think we will see some of that. I don't, I don't know any now, and um, but I wouldn't be surprised to see some staffers
1: move over. Do you have any input, out? Um, no, I think that I agree with Derek on that. I think that staffers, there are going to be some staffers who are uh, on committee staff, particularly as well as personal staffs, uh, that uh, will find a uh, perhaps significant positions in the administration. Uh, so whether that be NOAA or be the Assistant Secretary of the Army, which is really the office, which, you know, really is the key point for the Corps or any of the other agencies, I think going, there's going to be movement. Um, and we just have to wait and see what happens. But I, generally speaking, I think it will be good because uh, we've had good people if they move from Congress, congressional staff to, you know, White House or executive branch staff, um, all the better for us. And hopefully, their replacements will be uh, folks will be equally good. We all have to live with change, and yep. uh, you know, usually it's good—not always, yep. but usually.
2: Well, and that usually—that's sort of a standard DC thing, right? I mean, I think DC is yeah. a strange town. Like you have businesses where you had the kind of turnover that you have on, on Capitol Hill—you'd be hard to imagine—but it, it happens a lot. I did want to flag a couple. Can I flag just a couple House election uh, elections that I thought were were Please, interesting? Sure. Um, so, uh, one that I wanted to flag was uh, Joe Cunningham, who was mm-hmm. the, the House member, just a one term House member um, from the coast of South Carolina, Folly Beach area. Um, he only, again, he only served one term, but he was an ocean engineer and really had been stepping up to lead the challenge or lead, uh, lead the, the vocal opposition to offshore drilling. Um, was, I was disappointed to see him lose, but really interested to see uh, his replacement, Nancy Mace, who's a, a Republican has 100% um, rating from South Carolina conservation voters and has been a very, very vocal opponent of offshore drilling. So while, um, while you had one a Democratic uh, conservation champ uh, losing, you also had a, a being replaced by a Republican conservation champ, which is interesting. I think we, we've seen fewer of those solid conservation votes on the Republicans, and, and she could be one of them. Um, And then also, interestingly, what got a bit more attention is the two South Florida members who represent the area in Miami right around the Everglades, um, uh, Reps uh, Shalala and, uh, I might mispronounce her name, but Mukarsil Powell lose. Um, But both of their replacements are also have spoken very strongly on the need to protect the Everglades. So you sort of have these two situations where you lost some conservation champs, but you might have replaced them with conservative conservation champs. So, I, you know, I'll be interested to see if there's a little renaissance of um, of, of coastal conservation uh, champions in the House with some of these these new members.
1: It goes with uh, my feeling, Derek, that most of the issues on the coast are nonpartisan. It certainly can be bipartisan. Um, yes, you can get into oil drilling in certain areas of the country where, you know, it's generally it's ex- more acceptable to one party than it is the other but when you look at the East Coast and the west coast uh, you're not seeing you know that they, even that issue is not there so I think that uh, you know my experience has been over the years that uh, coastal communities carry a lot of weight uh, in in the issues that they have when they speak to members of Congress whether they speak to Republicans or Democrats so it's, a, it's a encouraging to hear you you know, talking about this, because I hadn't focused on those, but I heard about them, and that the replacements, in essence, are going to be, I think, from what you're saying, probably just as good for the coast as the people that they've replaced.
0: In terms of you know the Everglades and Lake Okeechobee, those, right, talking about Lake Okeechobee, the, the impacts that that lake and the outfalls have on algal blooms and red tides in the past few years have yeah. been, no matter what side of the aisle you're on, I mean, you're upset if, if that's on your beach, no doubt. Um, I know the Corps just is now reviewing, um, you know, how they go about managing those those lake levels. Um, but then, of course, the Everglades, as with any natural uh, national park or, or natural uh, feature, you know, either side of the aisle, people love it. So I, I think that's going to be supported
1: by both sides. Going back Thank to Dan's favorite issue, actually going to Dan's favorite issue, the flood insurance program. Uh, I don't think any of us can exactly predict what's going to happen here. But uh, any thoughts, Stan, on uh, what's going to happen next uh, Next Congress, next administration? Well, if we use history as an example, I think the can's going to be kicked.
0: Um, I would like to be more optimistic than that. Um, but I really don't have a prediction there. I mean, it's, it's already been kicked till 2021. So, uh, you know, once you start the timer, you kind of say, hey, look, I, I've I've got till September to do something. I mean, I'm not trying to. Yeah, that's just, that's just the, the truth. Yeah. Is they, they maybe they'll, they'll address it in another 10 months when, you know, the deadline is a, is in front of them.
1: Yeah. You know, it's basically the, the reform that's needed is one which is not politically popular, at least is not viewed as politically popular, which would, let's say, eliminate those that are the, uh, the grandfather properties and uh, that are, have lower rates than anything close to market rates and making other changes that would be reforms.
0: Well, every year, everything's gonna it, all the data for the NFIP is gonna look worse every year, yeah. Because sea level rise, flooding events are getting worse. We're identifying more properties that are in repetitive, uh, repetitive flood zones. Severe, uh, what's what's the term that I'm um, severe repetitive loss properties? You know, these are places that have flooded three to five times or more in the past five to ten years. Um, we we find more of these properties all the time. We're finding out that properties that were sold even a decade ago were sold in in these areas, and it was. Not the best interest of of the uh, or sorry it was for the real estate developer, it was kind of a conflict of interest to be selling some of those properties to to property uh, to yeah, purchasers, knowing yeah. that they were in high risk areas
1: information uh, you know is not something we're going to delve into today, but information and and knowledge that individuals need to have um, we posted uh this recently in the last couple of days some I think uh, today's was USGS has a tool, EPA has tools, FEMA has tools, there's a lot of tools out there that individuals and communities can use to look at what the uh, risk is. And communicating that risk is one of the problems that we have, or one of the challenges that we have.
0: And that was, I think, the biggest the biggest issue that people had with flood risk 2.0, was that it did not accurately, or at least what people believed to to accurately. Uh, portray their flood risk
2: yeah yeah i don't follow nfip nearly as much as you but it does seem like it's going to be a a political risk to try to move something uh and i think with margins you know congressional margins getting closer in both the house and the senate i mean you've got just a a few votes separating the republicans and democrats on either side it's probably not going to have the kind of um you know grand vision let's think big let's make a, a big bold solution that could have Risky consequences politically um, is probably not the, the kind of legislation that we're looking at, which implies you know which impacts NFIP, but maybe also thinking about things like um, you know climate uh, climate kind of legislation. Although going right back to your very first point, I think um, Howard, you know maybe this is where infrastructure comes through. I know I feel like a broken record; we say this every Congress, but you know if folks are willing to spend the money. Infrastructure is a winner. I mean, who doesn't like to see, you know, bridges and broadband and coastal protection?
1: Yeah, there's a there's a lot of win-win out of it. And I've never understood why, other than the fact that it's spending money, which Congress has done post disaster, you know, you know, just loads of money that it spends, and then, but you know, when you don't have a disaster, although I don't know what 29 named storms you know, constitutes plus fires and all the other things that are going on. There's plenty of, of need out there that, you know, people could look at it as disaster if they want to feel better about it, because it's, it's uh, you know, it's a, it's a looming truck wreck, wreck coming right at us. Um, Dan and I have talked uh, this week with uh, uh, the relatively new, not new, but relatively new director of Civil Works, Al Lee, at the Corps of Engineers. Uh, We talked with the acting chief of planning, Eric Bush. Uh, Both of them are uh, formerly out of the South Atlantic Division. It's not related to the election, obviously. But I think in terms of their initiatives, uh, they want to try to take more of the regional approach. They want to look at the South Atlantic coastal study that's going on, for example, as an example of that. But uh, regional sediment management and you know, putting more effort into those, and hopefully the uh, Congress will put more money into it. And uh, they have challenges. The challenges are coming largely from budget policy, which translates into uh, the folks at Office of Management and Budget. Uh, uh, I think Congress has been willing to step up and put in, uh, you know, what, if 10 years ago, if we looked at $7 billion as a possible figure for the core, it was a, a wish list, you know, now, Understanding the inflation and needs have grown; it's not exactly catching up to it. But nevertheless, I think it's uh, Congress is willing to put in the money. Uh, you know, if they just told where it could be effectively used, and I think that's happening more and more. in these, I have a lot of hope in that end of that part of the Corps and some other folks that are at Corps headquarters.
2: So, Howard, Dan, before we leave, I'd love to get, uh, I'd love to put you on the spot and get some bold predictions. What, what, any bold predictions for the first 100 days of a Biden administration? Anything you think we'll see or won't see or anything? Will, will the coast even come up or will it just be 100 percent COVID in the first 100 days?
0: Well, yeah, I, I, uh Biden's already said COVID first. Yep. So I think that's. That's really gonna be the first thing we see. Out of the administration, I'm not so sure that he's you know, we're gonna hear something specific coastal related. Um, what I'm hoping for is improved regional sediment management. I right. I think that is the the absolute biggest thing that needs to be focused on, not just in this administration, just moving forward. Um, Trump and his and his his administration did a lot of navigation work clearing out our for uh you know the large post-Panamax ships to get in. Trade was important. But what happens with all of that sediment that's dredged from these channels? Well, for most of our listeners, it's dumped offshore. It's gone. And in many cases, we're not getting it back. Meanwhile, we have all of our beaches that are rapidly eroding. Why are we dumping this resource offshore? So right now, what we're doing is we're working with a lot of uh, port authorities and district, core districts to try and improve that process say where can we use some of this sediment so that we're not literally dumping it in a place where we're never going to get it again and I, I think that hopefully somewhere in this administration that can be picked up and that can almost in some way become policy that because right now the policy is to dump it offshore because that's the least cost and and you know there's many cases where that makes sense if you're dealing with issues of quality and 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 cost uh, if the local sponsor has to pay for the cost to get it from where they're dumping it you know there are there are some barriers but At the end of the day, I would like to see all sediment that is of good quality,
2: beneficially used. Yep. Good. Uh, Howard, any thoughts? I I think
1: that the first hundred days are going to be organizational for both the administration and for Congress. COVID, definitely focused. I don't think we're going to see that much uh, that is going to be coast specific. Um, But my hope is that we can see something develop uh, in terms of coastal initiatives out of uh, this administration, uh, which will perhaps uh, lead Congress to say that they need to coalesce a little bit more. I mean, we have uh, we have good members of Congress uh, from the coast, uh, both senators and, and, and representatives, both parties. And they're in good position on appropriations committees, authorization committees. Uh, they can make it happen. Um, I think we have to We, the people who are the peasants, we're the voters, Uh, we're the folks out there. We have to tell them in one way or another what it is that we need. I'm a great believer in in that bottom-up approach. Uh, I don't think it's going to be Uncle Sugar who's going to come to the aid of uh, coastal communities uh, with anything more than more regulations and things like that. I I think uh, with policies and programs, it's going to be local communities and states that are going to have to be uh, showing the way of what happens.
0: Yeah, I think it's good. we're going to start with a broad stroke approach. Uh, before we get into the details, uh, Biden's already stated he's going to be appointing uh, scientists uh, you know, for a variety of different things. I'm sure somewhere on that team, sea level rise will be a part of climate change. And within that, we will hopefully have some
2: direction as to how we're going to manage our coasts.
1: And we yeah. turn the cloudy crystal ball back to you. Derek, what do you Sure,
2: see? yeah. So I'll, I'll make a bold prediction. I, I'm, I'm never uh, afraid of making, well, I guess sometimes I am, but uh, uh, making a prediction that turns out to be incredibly wrong. Um, but I think we'll see some sort of executive order, some sort of comprehensive executive order on climate adaptation in the first 100 days, mm-hmm. um, uh, of which coastal will be a significant, you know, significant part, something that sort of uh, reinstates or repurposes the federal flood risk management standard, um, and potentially uh, something that sort of talks about, hopefully, Dan, to your point, hopefully that it talks about the need to, um, you know, maybe <laughs> maybe we'll get regional sediment management, but talks about the need to consider, you know, sea level rise and, and necessary resources to protect our coast in um, going forward uh, other, that all agencies need to consider. And I'll even go out on a further limb and say, this might not be the first hundred days, but maybe in the first six months, I bet there will I'm going to predict that there will be some uh, more senior level position that we have ever seen on addressing climate impacts. I think there will probably be some sort of climate czar uh, appointed that's going to deal with mitigation reducing emissions, but I, I have a feeling we will also see some sort of climate adaptation Czar that's going to look across all the various federal agencies and, and maybe even loop in the states to think about how we can be preparing for impacts of climate change, uh, which I think could have, um, could potentially set us up for, uh, for sort of a nationwide coastal policy. So um, anyway, that's my hopefully optimistic scenario, well, and it well, might be more 600, days. But
0: with sports betting and, you know, other forms of betting being legalized in a lot of states, maybe we can put it on our website and see what the stakes <laughs> are, see what people are willing <laughs> to put on it. Um uh, yeah thanks very much derek um everyone this is derek again this is derek brockbank executive director of american shore and beach preservation association also the host of the Capital beach podcast uh this has been dan genolfi and howard marlow from the waterlog podcast and thanks again for tuning in we'll be back with you guys next
2: month any final words derek no thank you for having me uh and thank you to all our veterans i think this is coming out on veterans day so um we wouldn't be here. I know my both my grandfather served in World War II. Um, and, you know, there are veterans that are out there, or current military members serving now, helping us keep us protected. So thank you to all military, current military and former military. We, we respect your service.
0: Very much. Thank you so much. And, of course, thanks very much to the American Shoreline Podcast Network and Coastal News Today. Signing off. Thanks, everyone. Bye, all.